0: Another episode. I have a lot to talk about this week. Um, I've written some new stuff that we're going to talk about and share. Um, I have some thoughts and feelings on the world this week and what the fucking hell has been going on. And if you're very quick, actually, you can still enter the giveaway. The link's in the description but um, let's get going. She says really pointless things, or so he says, but it's an art, apparently, it's an art art and cruelty so he says art and cruelty but she thinks it's so essential she thinks they don't talk enough and she thinks he speaks no sense but he tries or so he says and she lies when she says i really don't give a fuck she says that he's frustrating but he's profound and he's lovely She's wondering why they can't go one day without fighting, fucking, freezing, then repeating the same cycle before she types a kiss and lets him sleep on her shoulder, and he is creatively flippant, or so she says. She is cherry-picking times when they thought they'd be happy, and feeding them to him as she languishes in guilt, finding herself at Forest Hill, complex caramel and the boy who sails to the stars. I wrote that um, as it's kind of for the last book, but I wrote it too late for it to go in, <laughs> so it's now just kind of um, hanging out out in public, I guess. Um, I I kind of I took lines from this like text conversation. And just kind of turn them into, you know, bigger ideas and thoughts um, until it became what it became. And it was kind of about, I wouldn't call it a relationship because it wasn't really. It was like, it's kind of ongoing. We think that we like each other sometimes, so maybe we should try this. But then we spend time together and we realise that actually we infuriate each other So we go away and we get very angry with each other. And then, oh, look, it's you fucking texting me again or calling me again. And why are we doing this? Like, (laughs) we clearly do not fucking like each other as people. Why are we entertaining this? This is ridiculous. And yet we do. Because that's human life sometimes. And, you know... So I was just kind of thinking about how ridiculous it was. (laughs) You know. Um, This idea that I spent, you know, so long in this whole back and forth. You know, I love you, I hate you nonsense. And for what? Because, I mean... I don't know. I couldn't even really tell you why. I think it was just... Neither of us wanted to die alone. So we were like, fuck it, let's just keep trying this and see if it works. (laughs) Um, And then eventually we just stopped. Um, But I'm pretty sure that is only because I decided to actually be proactive and stick to it. And I was like, let me just block this. Let me just block your number. We're not not doing this again. I... (laughs) I just, I don't really see the point in hanging out with someone who doesn't actually like me as a person. (laughs) I mean, I don't like me as a person, but I'm stuck with me. I don't feel the need to inflict that on somebody else. Everyone is moving on. Walking around like the world didn't change when you walked into my life. I mean, really guys? Maybe they can't see it. They can't see the way that the sky comes alive when you appear. They can't see the way that I always smile when you call me. We're playing Pete and Ariana in those early days. Spending whole Sundays softly saying your name like an enchantress enhancing my whole life until suddenly I think about something that's very unpleasant. Oh, wow, my mind is powerful. But then sometimes it's too powerful. And then everything is ruined. When everything is ruined, then I'm reckless. I say the things I normally keep locked in my head. I write stories in my mind about all of your exes and I think that I'm making mistakes just by feeling alive and awake when I'm near you. I love you so much that my eyes are painted pink, constant emotion, romantic emotion that shielded my sight just when I needed it the most and I start thinking about all these things and I just wish I could sleep but then I know I'm gonna see them in terrifying detail because my imagination is second to none and you're picking fights with my tarot cards and I'm thinking this bitch this bitch but I love you so much and I don't really know What to do about that when I'm scared and reckless? And you know that I'll say yes. You know that you're still what I want, and you know that you scare me to death. And I know you know that you're my soulmate, and all that, but. But I need to hear it from someone else because sometimes I still can't believe it and you get upset like I meant to hurt you, I just meant to love you because like I said, I love you so much. That my eyes are painted pink and sometimes I just need to double check that I'm seeing something real. So when you ask me, you know that I'll say yes. When you pick fights with my tarot cards, I'll tell them to forgive you. You are still what I want and you still scare me to death, but I still love you. So much. So much. I think when the only love you've really had has been... You know, conditional or transactional. It's very difficult to get used to something that is just... There. You know, with no... Like, you don't have to do anything. That person just loves you. It's very... um, It's hard to adapt to that. Because you're constantly thinking, well, when, when does this change? When does it go back to what has always been the way it is? And... Sometimes you kind of... You react to that. And you know it can be very difficult to to deal with that because someone someone who who just wants to love you and you just want to love them but you don't know how to tell them that and they think that things are different than they are and they don't understand that you know you're not Questioning things and worrying because you don't love them or because it means less to you than it does to them. But it's because it means so much to you that that's why. Because you can't quite believe that you have found something that is everything that you want. And so it's like you have to keep checking, you know? It's like if someone just like, (laughs) you know, if someone just like put like a ton of money in your bank, right? You're not just gonna like check it once and leave it. You're gonna check it a couple fucking times because you're gonna make sure it's really there. You're gonna like call people and see if it's legit. And then they tell you, oh yeah, yeah, that's just like a a nice little present from some bitch. You, You know, you're not just gonna leave it. You're gonna be checking and making sure that it's for real, it's staying, it's yours. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. When you have something good, it's like you can't believe that it's happening to you because you never thought something like that would. But obviously to other people, that kind of comes across as like, you don't believe in it as much, but that's not always the case. Um, some of us are just nervous bitches okay (laughs) like (laughs) some of us are just not used to nice things this has nothing to do with the rest of the show but I'm going to talk about it the Eurovision entry for the UK has been um, released uh, and it's my last breath by james newman we didn't get a selection competition this year um because they basically they were like we're taking it out of the public hands you bitches are crazy look at all the dumb shit you vote for um and because obviously the uk's record has not been great uh the last few years at eurovision um so i think the idea is if we give it to um a record label and get them to come up with something it will be great and I mean if you're looking for something that is probably going to be radio friendly um might chart well in the UK yes if you're looking for something memorable that stands out and will be interesting in the competition I'm gonna say no it's not a bad song um James has a lovely voice uh I will not dispute that. He sounds great um It's not a bad song in of itself. it's very inoffensive it's very <sighs> middle of the road it the The problem with it is. Is you could give that song to a ton of the kind of slightly mopey guitar dudes. You know, that are kind of in the pop scene right now. And you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference that it's someone else. You know what I mean? It's, it's very kind of... Generic. Which I kind of expected, this was my concern when they announced that there wasn't going to be a selection competition and a record label was going to come up with something and all this shit. I thought, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, Because I figured it would be something like this. It would be something that, yeah, probably has radio airplay potential might chart pretty well because it's inoffensive and kind of, you know, something that people are used to and, you know, (laughs) and that kind of thing. But then when it actually comes to the competition, which is a thing the song is for, it's it's not going to stand out. It's not going to give us um, that kind of comeback moment that we need because it's going to be like, okay, so the UK sometimes sends outrageous entries, sometimes it sends entries that are quite bad. But this is I mean this is worse than that. It's just kinda of basic, kinda of boring. And I, I don't feel like that's gonna give us a comeback moment. I feel like that's just gonna be like well, there we are. I don't I don't feel like this is gonna be a memorable moment for us. I I just I don't see it. And so I I think it will do okay. And like I said, I don't think it's a bad song. That That's not what I'm saying. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's something that has been done so many times that it's not exciting. It's not fresh. It's not cool. It's not new. I don't feel like anyone's going to be impressed by it because they're going to be like, well, there are like you know tens of these songs on your top 40 every week why are we supposed to be impressed by that you know um pretty much every male british artist um who breaks into other parts of europe and other parts of the world and releases music is doing this kind of music what why are we supposed to be impressed by this we've seen it before you know, and I think Eurovision is a great opportunity to showcase different things, Um, you know, things that that make, uh, you know, each country's music unique, you know, and I just feel like um, I feel like with this entry, they haven't tried to do that. They haven't stuck with that kind of idea. It's more just about getting a song that is going to generate a lot of radio airplay and probably do pretty well commercially. And to me, that's not what the point of Eurovision is. Um, (laughs) And I think that's the problem with giving all this control over to a record label who doesn't really, who don't really kind of, they don't seem to get the spirit of the competition. And I can't say I'm surprised because I did kind of see this coming. I think I want to do like a podcast for Eurovision. I thought that'd be cool. Like I could like record it, um, <laughs> like my reactions and stuff to everybody. But anyways, so I just kind of want to talk about that for a bit. But the song is out. You can go and check it out if you want. And like I said, it's not a bad song. It's just kind of like basic. And I mean, I saw it coming, but I'm still disappointed. I feel like we need to, like, go back to the classic kind of thing, you know? I think the UK needs to be braver and not afraid to be laughed at or... I mean, you know what? One of my least favourite entries... (laughs) Fucking Flying the Flag by Scooch. I fucking hated that, right? Right? But at least they committed and they, they thought we're going to go out there and we're going to do something fun. We're going to do something that gets people going. You know, that's the kind of shit. we I mean, maybe something not that silly and ridiculous, but something with a bit of fucking spirit, for God's sake. Something that's not just by the numbers, basic, you know, dude trying to be indie, but, you know, still trying to keep it. Middle of the road, you know, I just this is a big night for the gays, and I feel like once again, capitalism has ruined it. What the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? Everyone really needs to stand up and say, that. OK, no, this is not politics in the normal British way. This is something darker and bleaker and it's got to stop. Peace is possible and must be achieved. We want Scotland to remain inside the EU and we want the UK gonna start this week off with a little bit of praise for rebecca long bailey which as far as i know i've literally never done um but (laughs) um i don't know if i would call this praise or like in defense of i don't know anyway this is a not negative thing about rebecca long bailey um so there was a sky news debate earlier in the week and she briefly discussed her son and now everyone's fucking kicked off about it She talked about how they nickname her son the king because her and her husband are his servants. And she was talking about how when he gets home, you know, they get him hot chocolate and sweets and stuff like that. And everyone kicked off and was like, oh, he's probably a spoiled little brat. Oh, she can't even say no to, like, a little child. How's she going to say no to, like, huge world powers? Oh, this means that she'll be a terrible prime minister and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like a lot of people are not looking at the actual facts here. Firstly, this is a woman who probably sees her son... ..a couple of times a week at most. Because... For most of the week she's in London. And obviously her son lives back in Manchester. So. She's separated from her child. So it stands to fucking reason that when they are together. She will spoil that boy. She will dote on him. Because she misses him. It makes complete sense. Um, I... I do not have the experience of having a child, to be quite frank, nor do I want to. But I know what it's like to miss someone. And to know that you are close enough that if, if you had the ability to abandon all your responsibilities and so on, you could just go and you could be with them, but you know that you can't. And that fucking hurts so deeply and you miss them so much so when you finally get to be with them you just want them to have whatever they want you want them to be happy all the time you just want to be with them you know and i'm pretty sure that's all this is but everyone is taking it out of context and acting like it's a bad thing to miss the people you love and to maybe go a bit over the top and spoil them a bit when you actually get to see them and applying that to how she would be as a leader there are plenty of indications of how Rebecca Long Bailey would be as a leader that we've seen throughout this campaign I do not think the way that she interacts with her son is one of them and I think it's pretty obvious misogyny that people are going with this and they're like yeah we're gonna judge her on that like come on guys really (laughs) um additionally i think a lot of people are forgetting that it is very possible to to interact differently in different situations right so just because she spoils her son and she dotes on her son that doesn't mean that she's gonna do that to like the president of the united states like you know people have layers people have different sides to them you know how she is at home with her family is not necessarily how she's gonna be in negotiations, in press conferences, in the House of Commons. Um, You know, making it about me here, but (laughs) um, the way that I interact with people in a work setting is very different to how I interact with people in my personal life. If I am, for example, if I'm... You know negotiating an appearance, or I am you know pitching ideas or I am um you know sort of talking about you know projects I'm doing and trying to get approval for things. i'm gonna be very different, you know some would say i'm a bit I'm a bit harder, I'm a bit harsher. Because I have to be, you know, so that I can succeed and I can be taken seriously. But in my personal life, I'm not. I'm, I'm a lot, you know, kind of softer and, um, you know, but obviously th- those are two different scenarios and they don't really cross over. And so for someone to judge me on, like, for example, um... You know how i am when i spend time with my boyfriend or how i am when i spend time with my mom for someone to take that and use that to judge me on how i would be you know when <laughs> you know when doing something related to my career I, I feel like that's a bit unfair and i feel like that's something that doesn't really happen to men um So it's, I mean, it's a bit disappointing that there are a lot of people who are throwing this at Rebecca Long-Bailey. If you want to be critical of Rebecca Long-Bailey, believe me, there are plenty of fucking things that you can talk about. Um, This is not the, the bandwagon you need to jump on. There is plenty of stuff that you could talk about. How she interacts with her kids... It's low-hanging, kind of pathetic, really. It's irrelevant. Um, you know. And it's, it's a shame that that's the way people have gone. And I think it shows that there's still a lot more to do to equalise things for men and women and politics. Remember a little while back when everyone decided they were going to be nice on the internet from now on? Because, you know, hashtag be kind. Hashtag... It's okay not to be okay, and so on and so forth. Well, that's over. Um, <laughs> so, last weekend, some shit went down on Twitter.com. The Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, um, <laughs> he posted a picture, Um I said, quick budget prep break, making tea for the team. Nothing like a good Yorkshire brew. And he had a a big bag of Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea is, of course, a a brand of, of tea, right? Now, on that day, people suddenly got angry because they were like, why is Yorkshire tea working with this man? Why are they working with the Tories? Oh my God, they're basically people convinced themselves it was an ad campaign. And that he's a little fucking influencer now, because he's the fucking chancellor. And, (laughs) you know, that they had paid him to say it or whatever. And at the time that the ad supposedly happened, right, Yorkshire Tea distanced themselves. And they said, no, it's nothing to do with us. This is exactly what they said. Nothing to do with us. People of all political stripes like our brew. Plus, there's no way we'd intentionally stick ourselves in a Twitter storm on a Friday afternoon. It's nearly home time. Now, for those that don't really know how influencer marketing works, right? A brand is not going to pay for an ad, pay to send a product to somebody for the purposes of advertisement, and then distance themselves from it straight away. That's that's not how it works. Um, you know, if it was an ad, he would have marked it as an ad. Because he legally has to. And somebody with a platform like him is not going to get away with a covert ad. I would not be surprised <laughs> if people have reported it to the Advertisement Standards Agency already. Um, and he has... You know, the brand has been able to prove and he has been able to prove it's not an ad. If it were an ad, we would have fucking heard about it by now. Um But the way that the brand behaved, saying, no, it's nothing to do with us, that is not what a brand does during an advertisement. If they got a bit of backlash for, you know, which influencer to, you know, for want of a better word, they had selected for an ad, they would have released a statement saying something like, I don't know... Um, We, we, we advertise to all kinds of people, you know, he hasn't, you know, actually committed a crime or done anything wrong, we're sorry people are offended, that kind of shit. But they didn't, they just said, no, it's not an ad, you know, um, and there's, there's no way that they would lie about this, really, realistically, because if it was an ad, and, you know, If it had been an ad, and he essentially threw them under the bus, then he could have been like, well, actually, it was an ad. Here's the proof. Here's some emails where we talked about this ad. Here's the receipts. But that didn't happen either. Because it's not a fucking ad. And this brand had no control over the fact that this man drinks their tea. Right? But that didn't stop people from fucking attacking them. Right? So these are some of the responses they got. Your brand is fucked. Why are you promoting this fool, no longer buying your products? Well, that's how it looks, so goodbye from me to Yorkshire Tea. Well, that's the fucking kiss of death (laughs) to that brand now. Is this okay with you? If I was Yorkshire Tea, I'd be very worried about my supporters all being racist Brexiteers. Perhaps their super Brit TV ad is responsible. Never buying Yorkshire tea again. Well, I can't wait for 500,000 Labour Party members to boycott Yorkshire tea. You you guys can't even get together and choose a leader. Don't sit there and act like you could pull off a boycott. I mean... Anyway. And so... They got a lot more attacks. Um, people were... Sending really horrible messages um, there's a, a stream of messages that again went viral. Um, so oh Jesus, um, So, this is one of them from a lady called Sue. Oh my God, there is something very wrong with a government a government minister blatantly advertising. But he's not. All you need to do is say he used your product without your knowledge or permission. But you've carried the way to get someone to stop is by not responding to things that don't need an answer. Even when people keep keep tweeting at you. There have been a lot of people out here who have been on the wrong end of Tory austerity for 10 very long years, who are stuck with even more, never mind the damage they're doing, privatising NHS, etc, etc, etc. And the last thing I want to do when I'm making a drink of tea is to think about what the Tory who was blatantly advertising your tea, no, he wasn't, paid or otherwise, no, he wasn't, will be doing to continue to grow the rich-poor gap, the extension of which will be a real legacy of their regime, along with the 120K-related austerity deaths. You have your wish. I have responded. And as Yorkshire Tea clearly stated, and they were right, Sue, you're shouting at tea. None of, none of what she has said has anything to do with Yorkshire Tea, right? Because this is clearly not an, an ad campaign that they have organised. It is a man taking a picture with some of their tea. If I take a picture with, like, a bottle of Ribena, are people allowed to assume that my views and my actions are a reflection of that company? No, because that's fucking ridiculous. Because they didn't pay me shit. (laughs) You know? Um, I mean... I've worked with, you know, influencers and shit like that before. It is very um, important that they stick to the advertising guidelines. And if they don't do that, both they and the brand can find themselves in difficulty. So a brand is not going to sanction a covert advertisement on Twitter. And if they were, they would pick someone more popular and less universally disliked than the fucking Chancellor of the Exchequer. Right? This... This whole situation really just needed people to use common sense. But instead, they just started ranting at a social media account for fucking tea. And I just... I mean... And just weeks after people were like, oh, be kind. You never know people's story. You don't know what people are going through. And people are just sending constant abuse to this Twitter account for fucking tea. Because they they have misunderstood what's gone on. And I'm like... (sighs) I, I mean, like they said, you're shouting a T. To what end? What for? It's it's ridiculous. I mean, if you look at their Twitter page, right? They didn't retweet his tweet. Um you know, I mean, if if it had been a brand deal or an advertisement They probably would have retweeted him. They would have promoted it because it's in their interest to do so. I mean, (laughs) they have no control if he buys some of their tea and takes a picture. There's nothing they can do about that. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Go to his fucking office, punch him in the face and be like, Get your fucking hands away from RT. It's not realistic. What are they supposed to do? You know, I. <laughs> Once you create something and you put it out there, you often have very little control over what happens. You cannot stop people from buying it, for example. Um,. You, you know, so... <laughs> I just... I don't understand what it is people wanted from them. You know, and basically there's thousands of people... Who send horrific abuse... To an account... That is basically... Just run by a social media team... Who, realistically speaking... Are, you know, working very hard... They're probably not on the best money. They're just doing their best, and they've got all these people sending them abuse because well, nobody understands what influencer marketing actually is, and they just think, you know, I'm just gonna yell at this this brand because oh, it's a brand account, so who cares if I'm being hurtful? Who cares if you know I'm attacking this person behind this account? Who cares if I'm sending them? you know, abusive messages. I mean... There's a real person behind that Twitter account. And like I said, you know, these are the same people who just literally days ago were hashtagging everything. Be kind, you know, be nice, and all this shit. And then it's like, you're attacking a social media account... That has no control over what other people do with the product. To what end? I. Bitches be crazy, man. It's wild. Richard Bergen has decided he's creating a school of political education. I can't. Okay, so here's his big idea. The Tony Benn School of Political Education is going to happen if he becomes deputy leader. It will have free online courses in progressive history, alternative economics and climate and international justice using podcasts, video talks and guest lecturers. Firstly, this would be a massive waste of the Labour Party's money. I mean, I know they're not concerned about these things after fucking Labour Live and a whole bunch of other shit they waste money on. But Jesus Christ. There's also... Do you know what? Speaking of Labour wasting money. They fucking booked their conference for the wrong week. They they booked the venue for the wrong week. And they had to contact the Lib Dems and basically beg them to switch weeks with them. So that Labour could... Not lose a ton of money. By booking the wrong venue. I. <laughs> this fucking party man. Anyway. So Richard's big idea. Is the Tony Benn School of Political Education. Firstly it's a waste of fucking money. Just like his dumb newspaper ideas. Secondly. These resources already fucking exist. Right. There are so many free online And with the bonus of being unbiased and not linked to a political party, resources available online where people can learn about progressive history, alternative economics, climate and international justice. So he's basically stealing ideas from content creators online who have been creating this stuff, um, political content to help people learn about things like political history, to help people learn about current politics, like, this stuff is out there. Um, You know, (laughs) there's so many YouTube channels that will help you with this, that are unbiased, not linked to any political party or movement. There are websites and resources. This stuff, it's available. So there's no need for this to happen, right? It would be a colossal waste of money. And it's, I I just... (laughs) It's just like his dumb newspaper idea in that the real reason behind it is so that he can twist the narrative and, you know, teach people, no, this is what you actually need to think. And I don't think that that's something appropriate for a potential deputy leader of a political party to say. But here we go. I mean, this this is... These are, these are the choices for Labour members. I... I I don't even know what to say. Um It just it just seems like a fucking dumb idea. I don't understand what the need is for something like that when it already exists in an unbiased non-party specific way. Just what what is the point? <laughs> you know, what is the point? Apart from for him to just throw out an idea that will probably play well with the members who like him. You know, who... And and also, it just reinforces this idea that the Labour Party think the public are sick. Right? Now, I understand not everybody in Labour thinks like that, and that's great. But there is a lot of entitlement. There is a lot of, you know... The stupid public didn't know what was good for them. They could have had Jeremy, but they didn't want him. Stupid fucking public. Like, this just adds to that. Like, that's the message you're giving people. You're telling people, you're too stupid to vote without our supervision. We need to help you. We need to tell you what to think. Like, <laughs> how does he think that's going to go down? I did, The man has no self-awareness. It's wild. Um... Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, who is the DUP Westminster leader, has invited an anti-gay marriage pastor to speak in Parliament about the dangers of sex education. Because, of course. Of fucking course. Uh, She's due to speak at Parliament... Fucking hell. ...leading the pro-life pressure group Voice for Justice, which describes itself as resisting a neo-pagan battle for supremacy... That it says is being waged by supporters of same-sex marriage. (sighs) People just want fucking human rights. Like, that. that's it. That's all people fucking want. And she argues that (laughs) sex education can be linked to abuse. Despite the fact that actually sex education has been proven to help children recognise abusive behaviour and seek help to get out of abusive situations. But, you know... I'm sure she knows better because, you know, facts don't matter anymore. Fine. I I, I mean, it's a fucking disgrace if someone like that was invited to Parliament. But it's the DUP, so I I, I mean... Am I surprised? Not really. Um, Speaking of people that shouldn't be near any kind of Parliament, um, the abuse... There was an inquiry into child abuse um, that has happened. And a report was released about that. Now, a couple of months ago, when the inquiry was still taking evidence, um, David Steele, who is a Lib Dem peer in the House of Lords and used to be the leader of the Liberal Democrats back when they were just the Liberal Party. um, He was asked... During the inquiry, if he knew that Cyril Smith had abused children and what he did about it. And he basically said, it happened before he was an MP. It was none of my business. I didn't feel I needed to intervene and all this kind of shit. And this was, I think, back in May of last year that this happened. And people were rightly outraged and they said, what the fuck? Because, you know, he's still an active, what he was at the time, was an active member of the Liberal Democrats. He was in the House of Lords, getting paid every day. And people were angry. You know, Cyril Smith ended up with a fucking knighthood recommended by, you guessed it, David Steele. And so people were upset. And the Scottish Liberal Democrats held themselves, a little investigation, and then they, they basically brushed it under the carpet. They said he didn't have a case to answer. They made up some stuff, you know. He has hearing problems. He didn't, he didn't hear the question properly, so, you know, he, he answered wrong. It's not his fault. He didn't do anything and all this shit, right? And now the report has come out. And it makes it very clear that that is not the case and that David Steele should have done something at the time Because it was possible that Cyril Smith was abusing other children and he should have intervened as party leader. It was his position and his place to do something to stop the abuse, the potential abuse of future children and to help get justice and closure for the children that had been abused before by a member of his party. Right. And so David Steele decides he's going to resign from the party and retire from the House of Lords. And the leader of the Scottish Liberal Democrats, Willie Rennie, says that it is right for Lord Steele to resign from the party. But guess what, kids? It was Willie Rennie, the fucking let him back in in May and was like, oh, he doesn't have a case to answer. It's fine. Just stop looking at this. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So... What, what is the difference between then and now? Like, what, what's the t, You know? Because, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I don't really see much of a difference between then and now because the same thing has still happened. You know? <laughs> Why were victims who were angry about this in May ignored... But now it's right for this man to resign for his part in enabling child abuse. Why wasn't it right for him to resign before? Like, what is the difference between then and now? They cleared him over this before, despite him openly admitting that he failed to act on suspicions of child abuse. But now it's wrong. Like, I just, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> what What is their justification for this? They cleared him. They went to the media and they, they made a big thing of this whole, oh, he has hearing problems, you know, which led to him giving those answers. He couldn't hear, it's not his fault. Like, Willie Rennie went to the media and he gaslit victims. He acted like they were being irrational. He acted like this man didn't have a case to answer. But now, when there's more media attention on this inquiry, because the report's been released, um, and the media are able to talk about it in a bigger way, so there's more pressure on the Liberal Democrats to do something, now it's right for him to resign. Why wasn't it before? You had all the evidence there. You could have done your little investigation and seen that this man enabled abuse. And yet you didn't. Why? I just... I think they have a lot of questions to answer on this. And... It's disappointing because they're probably not gonna. Realistically. Um, It's... It's horrible for the victims. Because... Because they deserve so much more than this. They deserve to know that people hear them and people support them and right now what what they're seeing is people will only listen to you when it is convenient and they deserve so much better than that and do you know what my only hope with this is that the victims are able to find some clarity and some peace, I hope that the people that were involved in covering these things up, you know, the inquiry also found um, huge issues with the handling of of other MPs who had been um, involved in this kind of activity, Um You know, Peter Morrison was also an MP who was protected from prosecution. Um, Senior officials within the Conservative Party knew what he had done. They knew that there were allegations about him. They didn't pass them on to the police. He was fucking knighted. He was given important roles in government. It's... I mean... We have to we have to show victims that something will be done when things happen to them, because otherwise you end up with situations where victims don't come forward because they think, you know what, no one cares. No one cares what happens to me. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody is going to protect me. Nobody is going to speak up for me. Nobody is going to care what happens to me. I mean people often talk about you know why don't victims come forward if it was so bad why didn't you go to the police this is why this is not the first time that we have seen people being protected from prosecution look at for example the you know the many cases of Jimmy Savile people overlooked what was happening it's very hard to read but if you ever get a chance you can you can find it online Um, The government issued a report on, you know, what they learned from that, essentially. And all the way through, there are people who should have spoken up for the victims at the time, but were afraid or were intimidated or didn't want to rock the boat or, you know, people who were corrupted by the idea of being close to a celebrity. So they didn't say anything about what he was doing and... You know, this is something that goes back through through time. There's so many examples of it, of victims who were failed because people were protected. And so when you ask the question of why don't people come forward, why don't people talk about this, this is exactly why. Because they're, they're afraid no one's going to give a fuck. They're afraid that they are just going to be another person on a long list of victims who didn't get to tell their story, who didn't get closure because people wanted to protect their abuser. And so I don't think that the Liberal Democrats should be able to just get away with allowing this man to resign and moving on. I think serious questions need to be asked. I think that there does need to be a serious look at why just months ago, Apparently he had no case to answer, but now he apparently does. Why it went on so long, I think the Conservative Party does too. I just... It it just, it makes you sick, you know? Speaking of things that make you sick. Um, racism. Yeah. We love that. We don't love that. So Rebecca Long-Bailey had an event in Liverpool. And my God. <laughs> um, so there was a, a guy in the crowd. Um, and he asked a question about the election defeat. And then he started ranting on about members of the Israeli lobby and you know, throwing out a bunch of anti-Semitic stereotypes and conspiracies. And then Rebecca Long-Bailey started talking about Palestine. She didn't acknowledge that this guy had just said a bunch of racist stuff. She didn't make clear that she didn't agree with him. She didn't condemn it at all. She just started banging on about her own views on Middle Eastern policy, which weren't really anything to do with the the point he was saying anyway. And I mean, if you're going to be a leader, sometimes you have to do the hard things, like telling people who support you, hey, it's fucked up when you say that. That's that's racist, you can't say that. And if she can't even do that, then why is she running to be leader? There was another incident at the... S- at the same event, right? Where she, she basically just let this woman ramble on, calling people that didn't vote Labour in the last election, traitors, saying that, you know, her ancestors would be turning in their graves. She was swearing, she was screaming. Apparently she didn't realise she had a microphone because she was just fucking yelling. And again, Rebecca Bailey just kind of smiles and gives a nonsense answer and doesn't say anything like, hey, if we want to win back votes, maybe we should stop calling people traitors. Like, I just... If you're going to be a leader, you have to lead. You have to do the hard things sometimes. Sometimes when someone starts going off on a rant like that, you have to signal to someone to get a mic switched off or to get someone removed from the event. Or at the very least, you have to be brave enough to say, no, that's not an acceptable way to behave. But I mean, she couldn't be asked. I I just, I don't understand. It's like she just panders to whatever crowd she's in. You know, when she was at the Jewish Labour hustings, she was talking about her passion for ridding the party of anti-Semitism. But then at this other event, she just stands there and basically says nothing as a man goes on a long anti-Semitic rant. And then she just starts rambling about Palestine. And it's like, Okay, it's it's great that you support Palestinian self-determination, that's lovely, but are you really not going to address that man and what he has just done? Really? Because you said, like, just a little while ago that you were going to call out anti-Semitism. It's happening in front of you, Rebecca. Do something. But Miss Thing, she, she didn't want to. I i don't get it how is she ever gonna do anything as leader if if she can't even i just i don't know and a a Tory mp (laughs) god this is the worst thing i christ I got sent this in a group chat. I'm in a politics group chat because I'm the most boring person alive. And when I got sent this in the the chat, I thought this was a joke. Like, I thought they were joking. But no. Uh, James Grundy, who is the new MP for Lee. um, A video has surfaced. This guy's only been an MP since fucking December. And he's fucking up already. I mean, Jesus. A video has surfaced of him dropping his trousers and basically getting it just getting it out for for everyone to see um i I don't know if this is like some weird sex thing or if you know. I, I, I just... I don't know. I Personally, I can see no real justifiable reason for... You know, getting it out for the lads in the pub. Personally, I, I, I've never done that. I have no idea why he did it. He was in his late 20s, right? And so there are some people who are defending him, saying, oh, we all did stupid things when we were young. Late 20s is not young, right? Come on. Be real. Like... If he was, like, 15, then I'd still think it was wrong, but I could understand. Because, obviously, a 15-year-old boy is less mature than a man in his late 20s. But people really trying to treat this man like an infant and act like he didn't know what he was a girl. It's fucking stupid. Um, So, (sighs) I just... I, I genuinely... I cannot understand... What the fuck possessed him to do it? Some of his constituents were upset, naturally. One of them said, um, speaking to LBC, It's unacceptable, whenever it was, in my view. Hopefully something gets done about it. I can't see somebody in a position of responsibility going around doing that type of thing. Honestly, same he should step down as a minimum and it should be looked into a bit more closely through the correct authorities. If you're going to be in a position of responsibility and you're going to be representing people, you've got to be accountable for your actions whenever they are. I can't disagree with that because they're right. If my local MP was just like in a state of undressing a pub being filmed and shit, I would not be happy with that. I understand his constituents being upset. Another of his constituents said, I think it's absolutely disgraceful. He shouldn't be an MP. Certainly not here. Thank you. Fair play, really. I mean, fair enough. But it gets worse. Right? The videos were sent to the Conservative Party headquarters and they didn't fucking respond. They knew that he had done this and they still let him stand as a candidate. I mean, so they must have known that one day this would leak. They must have known that. So wh- why did they just let it happen? I don't understand. It's... I know Tories are going to Tory, but fucking hell. Keir Starmer, who may or may not be the inspiration for... Mark Darcy from Bridget Jones Diary. That is my favourite thing about him. I think about that all the time. But he is really repping for, you know, boring dads who just want to, like, do their best this week. Um, he was asked earlier in the week um, what the most exciting thing he'd done was. And he said, taking his kids to football. And everybody clowned on him and was like, you're so boring, Kiss Tom. Oh my God, stupid, boring human rights lawyer. So boring. Oh my God, Mark Darcy, you're so boring. And so then he obviously made an appearance at the Guardian Live hustings, And he was asked if it was true that the most exciting thing he'd done is take his kids to football. And this is what he said. These questions are supposed to be a measure of us, and they are so ridiculous. Yes, King. In the last four weeks, my wife's mum has died. We'd been in intensive care with her before she died for 17 days. I had been trying to be the best husband I could be to my wife, the best dad I could be to my grooving children. Then I'm asked, what is the most exciting thing you've ever done? And I'm judged on that. I know who I am. And you know what? We had to fucking stand Because... I mean, that's what life's all about. Being nice to the people around you, supporting people. I, I mean, personally, for me, going to a football game with some kids would not be exciting. It would be a nightmare. But for him, spending time with his children, that's exciting for him. And that's, that's fine. That's okay. But what exactly does that have to do with his leadership? You know? Why does he need to be an exciting person? You know? It's like... um, You know, when people ask female politicians about, like, having kids and shit like that. What does that have to do with them being leaders? Um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just... it's It's nothing to do with it. And it's just... Invasive, really, and i think I think he made he made some points, and we kind of had to stand, so yeah, carry on, boring king, we love you, we stand i do you know what i don't even get a vote, but i I still don't really know who I want to win this whole labor thing, like I mean. <sighs> it is what it is you know maybe he is you know a boring dad who does dad things like what's so bad about that you know I mean it's not the worst thing in the world there are way worse things to be You know, does it really matter if a female political leader does or doesn't want to have children? Or, you know, if she wears heels or not? Does that really matter? No. Because it has no impact on their ability to do their job. And I just... I think people need to look at this more from their abilities and their policies... Than personal issues you know because if someone doesn't have that shit in check then it doesn't matter if they're exciting or not they're still going to be shit watchtowers do not hear the wails of innocence inside their arms Just like so many mouths who couldn't find the words to condemn what their hearts knew were horrific. It's hard to keep suffering a secret when you see it. It will never leave you, following you with narrowed eyes, sleeping beside you as you try to dream, stretching and screeching as it sleeps with open eyes, keeping you awake with the memory of what you've seen. It never leaves, it just evolves and seeps further and further into your soul if you don't expel it exorcism, honesty, the only keys to freedom but so many were trapped, some by evil that they did not deserve and some by guilt that they did deserve and sometimes when my eyes are closed and I'm on another plane I remember him. I remember him and who he could have been and we are staring for several seconds in the rare quiet broken from his torment and I remember him free at the sight of me knowing that part of him, a very distant part of him, found part of me and I remember him. I remember though I don't know him. We share eyes and secrets as we sit in the icy prison where he ended his days. The world has been rough with him, his heart, his mind, his body, his tribe and I can't take it in so I just stare at my own eyes, the soft curls that frame them, the sweetness that has stayed, surviving constant onslaught to remain forever young though I wish so selfishly to see his dark hair turn grey, lines to plot against his face just for him to have a little longer so that I would remember more than I had dreamed I feel like I've talked about this before but I'm going to talk about it again (laughs) um for a very long time in my life, I have hated, like, so many different things about the way that I look. Um, particularly, um, I hated having very, like, dark facial features. I don't know if that's the right word. But I have very dark eyes, very dark eyelashes and Everything. Um, I really hated my nose. I, I do you know what? I still do. I still go through phases and I'm like, I fucking hate you bitch. Um <laughs> Uh I I hated um I hate my skin colour for the longest time, but we've 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 gone over that. But um over time it's it's like I learned to be appreciative of those things. It's like like they they remind me when you are when do you know what I'm trying to say this without like seeming like I don't know but when you're like mixed race sometimes it's very hard to connect with your heritage because there's just so fucking much of it and there's so many different stories and so many people in the past that you that you have as part of you and like it's hard to know where to start and you know sometimes there's like huge conflicts you know <laughs> like oh hooray what one, one you know one aspect of my you yeah, know, one of my ancestors oppressed the other. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, it can feel very conflicting and you feel... You feel like you want to have that connection. But it can be hard. Um, but you see reminders of all these different people that are part of you and it can be hard sometimes because you feel very distant from just about all of them because you're so many different things all at once and it's a hard experience to explain <laughs> and when you try and you reach out and you, you don't really know what to say and you don't really know what to do because you've been pulled in so many directions your whole life and it's hard to find a way to connect with that identity. And for me, I found the the things that I didn't like about myself were kind of a doorway into that. Because I would look at them and I would say, well, they look like this for a reason. Because of these people in my life that I'm I'm never going to get to meet. I'm never going to really get to know much about, probably. But th- this is part of them. I I used to be convinced I was going to get surgery. I was going to wear contact lenses. I was going to, you know, do all these different things. And then I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Because I want to have that connection. Even if it is just being able to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. And see all the people that have just this small little part of themselves still alive. I want to keep that. springtime you wake in the sun cursing curtains that can't keep the day from your face as you wrap your arms around me queen of the underworld i am gloomy but glam shining storm clouds that you hold so tightly so that they know it's safe to rain I wanted this week's episode to be a bit more, um, upbeat, because I was, (laughs) I I did feel like last week's, you know, there were parts that were a bit bleak, um, and, well, I haven't done too great on that, sorry, um, (laughs) but. Um, I mean we're supposed to talk about how we feel right and we're supposed to talk about when things are difficult because life isn't lovely and happy all the time even when you have plenty of things in your life that make you happy but that's the thing right if you have things that make you happy then it feels easier to be open about when you feel sad and when you feel vulnerable Because you know that it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to feel that way. So James O'Brien who is a host on LBC and he does a call-in show it's quite good um, he tweeted um, if we picked a star sign at random and put as much effort into demonising it as gets put into demonising Muslims single mums unemployed people Foreigners, Brussels, mixed-race duchesses, and now vegans. How long would it be before Capricorns got accused in the street? And you know what? Firstly, this caught my attention because that tweet made Capricorns trend on Twitter. And I was thinking, my Capricorn? It wasn't about him. But he made some points. And he's right. You know? Um, Because a lot of the outrage at pretty much all of the groups he mentioned, besides Capricorns, obviously... Is manufactured. It's created. Not based in fact. Um, I remember... I remember being a kid. Right? And I was watching The Simpsons. And I cannot remember what happens in the fucking episode. But there's this line. Where Bart is like repeating this like thing. That he has to say. And... I feel like they're in charge. I don't really remember. But he says something about single mothers being bad. And it's like he's being indoctrinated into saying it. But obviously, being a kid, I didn't understand that. And I got really upset because... Um, at the time, my mum was a single parent. And I was like, what is going on? And my, <laughs> my granddad sat me down and explained, you know... Sometimes in society, some groups of people will be... You know, attacked... And people will pick on them and bully them and things like that. He he basically explained scapegoating to me. Um, but in a way that a child could understand. Um, and that's something I've always been very aware of throughout my life. Um, and, you know, it's something that I I think about a lot. Because I feel like a lot of people fall for that. But then you look into these, you know, reasonable concerns. And most of them are not based in fact. Um, And they're just complete bollocks, basically. And that got me thinking about uh, a complete kerfuffle in which... A book was read at a school, and some people got very, very, very upset and angry. Um. So what happened was this: um, a drag queen went to a school and read a book to a kid Um, it's LGBT history month Um, the school has an LGBT education program Um, and the drag queen and there was an MP, Mari Black who um, is, is a lesbian as well and they talked about section 28 and the negative Impact that it had on LGBT people. Because it's LGBT History Month, right? Well. It all fucking kicked off. People were upset that. um, That a drag queen was invited to the school. Um, People were upset. Because, like, the drag queen took pictures with the children. The drag queen, might I add, was wearing nothing inappropriate. It was a very, very modest dress. Um, nothing inappropriate on display. The kids looked happy in the picture. They didn't look like they were being forced at gunpoint to take a picture with the drag queen. Um. (laughs) You know. it, it, It all seemed pretty... fine. To be honest. But the LGB Alliance... If you don't know who they are... They are basically a group. Um that claims to be championing the rights of LGB people, so lesbian, gay and bisexual people, um, and protecting us from the horrific onslaught of trans people. Oh, my God. The problem with that, though, is that the LGB Alliance tends to dip into homophobia a, like a lot, despite apparently <laughs> caring about l g b and of ov- obviously they don't like trans people we've established that but um I mean <laughs> everybody kicked off, and <sighs> everybody framed this drag queen as an adult performer, right. Drag is adult entertainment. I, it's not like this drag queen turned up and, you know, wearing basically nothing, doing a fucking lip sync to a Cock Destroyers video and then handed out free mini dildos to the children. A book was read and there was some brief discussion about section 28. Nothing inappropriate happened. But. There is a need. To push this sexual narrative. Onto LGBT performers. And I'm going to. I'm going to give you an example. Of when this doesn't happen. right? Ariana Grande. I love her. I do. But it is undeniable. That in her discography. There are quite a lot of songs. That are not really appropriate for children. Um, Even on her most recent album, there are quite a lot of songs that are very obviously about adult themes and topics, right? However, the core makeup of the audience at her shows are still, well, there's sort of three groups. There's teenage girls, very young girls, and to be real, adult gay men. But when she presents her show, it is age appropriate. So she, she won't perform stuff that is more grown up. Her choreography is appropriate for all ages. And so no one has a problem with it. But here's the thing. The same thing happened here. Now, it may be very possible that this drag queen does have adult aspects of their performance when they perform in other venues. It may be the case that at all their other performances, they do lip syncs to Cock Destroyer videos and hand out mini dildos to the audience. I don't know. I've never seen her perform. But that is not what she did at the school. She went there. She gave an age-appropriate performance. There was nothing there. That was bad at like on that day in the school, she turned up, she was dressed age appropriately. Oh, my whole studio is falling apart here. But anyway, she was it it was it was age appropriate, is my point, right? So (laughs) why are people not concerned when it's Ariana Grande? But they are concerned when it's a gay man. I'm going to give you a second to think about that because I feel like we both know the answer here. There are so many other examples. You know, little girls will listen to Nicki Minaj. They will listen to Selena Gomez. They will listen to, you know, do you know what? I'm going to be frank with you. I'm not down with the kids. I don't know who else they like. But all of those performers. Have songs that are age appropriate and songs that are for a more adult audience and they have performances they've done that are age appropriate and performances they've done that are not age appropriate right and those performers know when they need to do something age appropriate and when they don't And so parents are fine with it. And this is clearly the same case here. This performer, this drag queen, did not do anything that was inappropriate for children to see. So why is it so different? Why are people attacking him? For what? Like, we know why. Because these reasonable concerns are not reasonable concerns. It is manufactured outrage at the idea that is not based in fact. Because it's just a fictional idea that this drag queen has done something inappropriate in front of those children. But they haven't. There is absolutely no proof that that drag queen did anything inappropriate in the presence of those children. So so what, what is the outrage for? It's manufactured to aim more hate at an already vulnerable group because people need things to be angry about. People need things to be outraged about. That is what this is. There is absolutely no proof whatsoever that this drag queen did anything inappropriate in front of those children the outfit was appropriate pretty much all he did was read a book and talk about lgbt history there's nothing inappropriate in that you know as many people have pointed out as well on social media you know drag performers are at most pantomimes every year that you take kids as young as like babies to and no one has a problem with that mainly because those performers tend to be straight men it's interesting how that happens isn't it um for for any <laughs> anyone outside of the uk listening by the way um in uh, a british drag is kind of sort of complicated there are um obviously um lgbt drag queens but there are also like straight ones who also participate in drag and they tend to be sort of the over the top kind of comedy pantomime thing that happens right so when these parents take their kids to the pantomime they go to see cinderella they go see aladdin whatever it is they have no problem seeing a straight man dressed as a woman and In those situations, there tends to be a lot more, like, sexual innuendo and shit like that because it's a fucking pantomime and that's what they do. But they have no problem with that. But then when it's a gay man in drag, suddenly it's a problem. Why? Think about it. So, I mean, I think James O'Brien is right. People will invent reasons to be angry with people if you put enough effort into throwing hate at something then you can you can get away with it you can you can create this kind of hate bonanza and it never ends i for example i i've i've gone to schools i've given talks on you know writing i've done workshops with kids there is a hell of a lot of adult content in my catalog like (laughs) you know i i get nervous every time i like release a new record or release a new book because i'm like my mum's gonna read this and she's gonna listen to this and oh my god (laughs) um but you know i have released songs that have swear words in i have released songs that are sexual i have released poems that you know have swear words in and talk about adult themes and nobody has ever complained about me going to give a talk to their kids. And I'm going to... I We know why, right? I'm going to tell you why. Because me being bisexual, so not obviously as LGBT... Um, you know, because to be quite honest, when you're a bisexual and you're in a relationship with someone of the opposite gender, people just assume you're straight. I mean, it's not true, but people are going to think what they think. But because of that, because I'm not as obviously non-heteronormative, people do not push that immediate sexual narrative on me. Um, it has happened before i I used to go out with this guy, and from the second he found out that I was bisexual is this constant fucking thing every time I spoke to a woman, every time I interacted with a woman, he would make it like into a sexual thing he would be convinced that I was like trying to fuck her basically, and I was like, No.' That's not not what's happening here. He would constantly ask me like gross questions about like three ways and shit like that. Because when you are LGBT, people will push this constant hypersexual narrative onto you. And I think that's what's happening here. You know, even when LGBT people are age appropriate, And we do the exact same things the straight people do. There's always going to be someone who's going to... As soon as they click and they realise and they're like, ah, you're one of them rainbow bitches, that's it. And... It's been disappointing, actually, to see some LGBT people... Going along with this manufactured outrage because guess what? You know how we were talking about, you know, first they came for the communists, and I didn't speak because I was a communist, that thing. Well, they'll be coming for you, like realistically, when you are no longer useful to them and they don't need your voice to justify what they're saying, they will come for you too. Like, we know how this goes. We know how this goes. Being all I'm not like the other gays is not going to save you. Because the second you step out of line, the second you are no longer useful to them, the second they find someone who can, you know, cape for them in the same way that you do, you're done. So, I think maybe that's something people should think about, but... I guess everyone's too busy being angry about things that aren't even real, so. It is the last few days for you to enter the giveaway for the 100th episode. Um, The link is in the description or you can find the details on my website jenniferwan.com um, it is also the last few days for the special offer over on Patreon, where you can get a signed copy of the new book. Um, if you are a new or existing subscriber of any tier, um, subscriptions start from $1 a month and you get exclusive content, uh, free content, free merch, early release content. So, um, you can check that out in the description too or over at the website um thank you very much to my top tier patron supporters amanda kylie melissa anna sam katie christina josie gabriella david Anna, alicia emily andy and tyler thank you very much um if you did want to support the show um and other projects that i do then you can do that over on patreon um, we've got, uh, some exclusive audio going up, uh, from, uh, this very podcast on Patreon this week. So, uh, that should be up for you guys very, very soon. Um, you can also support with one-off donations on PayPal and Coffee, which gets you access to the early release program so you can see some things earlier than other people do. Um, <laughs> uh... Oh, is there anything else? Oh, I'm on social media, obviously, with these names, Miss J Squared, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube, everywhere, really. Um, and of course, you can find pretty much everything I do at my website, which is dot com. Oh! An Aquarius came out on Friday, so you can, you can stream that, you can buy that if you want to. Um... That would be fun. (laughs) Uh, But I will see you next week. Good night, my love.